From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right. Hey there. Welcome back to another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. So coming up today, it's all about everything you need to know to book a successful tour on your own terms as a DIY musician. So the speaker today is Nicole Rochefort from the company Artists in Motion, and she was speaking to Daryl Herz, Indie Week founder, at our Indie 101 conference that uh, was held earlier this year. For any musicians out there, as well as aspiring agents, managers, and others, this is a very valuable conversation. Tons of great insights, advice about the live music industry and how to make your way in it, especially early on in your career. So don't want to waste any more time. This is a great conversation. I know you're going to find it valuable. But before we get to this week's conversation, we first have to acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, the City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlanta, Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work that we do for the music community. So a big, big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, let's get to this week's conversation. This session, I've been really looking forward to. I've known Nikki for a long time, but I've also seen how she's really grown her business. And I have to say, this set particular session is a result of being at a conference. It was Folk Alliance, been referring to that a bit this week, uh, where Nikki's pulled me aside and was like, when am I going to do a session for you guys? So here we are. So Nikki, uh, if you can uh, give us a little bit of background on yourself first to get us started. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Daryl. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Nicole Rochefort. You can also call me Nikki. I go by both. I'm the owner founder of AIM Booking Agency. That's an independent agency based in Toronto, Canada. I primarily work with Americana, folk, roots, jazz, blues artists, and I book them coast to coast to coast. Uh, the major type of uh, centers or, or venues where they're performing would be listening rooms, concert halls, uh, working with community presenters, um, professional presenters like performing art centers, and then a variety of different festivals. Um, I'm also tapped into the club scene. Uh, but full disclosure, you know, my, my expertise is um, like mid-range, higher-end uh bookings it's uh been a while since i've had to grind it out uh but uh believe it or not even if you're booking at a higher level you're still grinding it out so i have lots of great tips and tricks uh to share with you and maybe even a couple of things uh to help you with in terms of the do not do list because that's just as important so thanks for inviting me daryl uh thanks for letting me bully you into doing a session you're a true friend and uh, really happy to be here. And I'm overwhelmed by the number of people who have signed up. Go Indie Week. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, this is going to be great. So I hope everybody is tuned in, ready. I've got my Red Bull. I'm, I'm uh, 
getting the energy going. Uh, there's already lots of questions, 14 questions in Q&A, but uh, I'm going to try, try to summarize some of them that are kind of closer together. So let's kind of go with the start first. So like A, I'm going to put probably three questions in one here is like, I'm an artist. How do I start booking a show? Like just think local level. And then also kind of tied into that is, you know, when you're contacting a, a venue and maybe you're not as well established, how do you get them to take you seriously? Okay. So it kind of shocks me the amount of artists who don't actively go out to shows in their own hometown. So first and foremost, become part of your community and like starting from the bottom up, if you will, as an audience member. And I think we kind of sometimes overlook that part. We just want to go from like writing songs in our, or poems, I should say, in our bedroom to like being on stage and having all the fans. But there really is a couple of steps. And so the first thing is if you're at, if you have yet to do a live show or maybe you're just venturing out, start visiting the different venues in your hometown, right? Get to know what's happening at home and more importantly, who's doing what. So usually in every city or town, there's going to be at least a coffee shop that has something going on. There's going to be a CD bar that has a couple things a place for the blues or maybe country, really start identifying like what venues do what. Instead of just passing them down the street, take like a weekend or two weekends and pop into these places. Or if you have like mobility issues and getting to a place is hard and mobility issues could be like not owning a car or not physically being able to get to a place, go online. And start there, start doing the search and then get familiar. So that's step number one. What are my local resources, AKA venues in my hometown that are currently presenting shows? So that's number one. Two, I want you to go onto their website and find out who they're presenting. Are these local names that you recognize? Are these national touring artists, right? Find out who they're presenting and then ask yourself, is this the right spot for me? Because there are a lot of artists that will simply just write to venues and ask for an opportunity to perform there, but they're not the right fit. So you're going to do a lot of research at the beginning. And if it sounds kind of boring, you're right. It is. And I can tell you that from experience because I literally do this still in like in my, my business practice. If I'm entering a new market with an artist, and I'm unfamiliar with it, a lot of my time is spent simply researching on what the best venues in that marketplace are. And then is my artist well suited for those venues that I've identified? So these are not like grunt work tips for emerging artists. This is simply like the steps that you take when entering a new marketplace. So you've identified the, the different venues, you've taken a look to see who's coming through them, asking yourself, Am I similar artist? Am I of a similar genre? I would suggest you actually go and attend a concert and figure out what it's like as a, as a patron, as an audience member. Did you like the way that the staff behaved? Did you have a chance to meet any of the performers and ask them what it's like performing in this venue? If you can familiarize yourself with not only the, the spot, but also the people, 
you're now starting to build networking relationships. And I'm sure you've had a lot of different sessions. And I know Daryl's told you this more than once. This is an industry built on relationships. So by and large, outside of your talent, because I'm sure you're all wildly talented and deserving, you have to know people. And it never hurts to get to know people locally and then again start growing from there. So for me, it always comes back down to like your community. And we start at the center, which is where you are today. And then we start going out from there. So that would be like my first, the first part of that question is, hey, here you are, get to know your area and get to know what's coming through. And then the second part is how do you get on those stages? I think one of the easiest ways when you're kind of establishing yourself locally, or for those of you who have done that and they're going, you know, you're expanding regionally, is to get to know some of the other artists, whether you call them your contemporaries or competitors or just industry friends, get to know other artists and start talking with other artists. So now you're going to build your artist community. And that's really important because you're going to want some of the intel and the support and the knowledge that they have to offer you. And in turn, you're going to be able to offer it to them, right? So we're, again, we're going to build with the resources that we have at our disposal, which are the people. Um, if there's a place that does an open mic night, amazing get yourself online, just get out there and start. Because there's the difference between I create music and I perform music live in front of other people, right? I'm not, I hate to say it, anyone can create music right now, uh, not just right now, this is like the last 15 years, anyone can create music. Not everyone has, has the guts or the stamina or the stomach, you know, to actually perform live because it's brutal, it is, it's exhausting and it's it's amazing but it's also exhausting so you're going to take that leap you're going to get up on a stage if that's a coffee shop you're going to get on a coffee shop if it's open mic at a bar you're going to get on the open mic and when you do that you're going to come prepared and rehearsed you're not going to use that as your rehearsal time if you only have three to four minutes because it's a, a fast changeover open mic you're going to make that three to four minutes like the best of your life right and not just for your life, but for those audience members too. So that's like open mic spaces, coffee shop, right? Kind of casual. If you're looking to take the next step, you're gonna need to convince someone to put you on stage. Now, there's a couple of different frameworks here. One of them is um, you're an artist who doesn't have much experience, exposure, ticket tracking, or hard sales. So you don't really have much to offer because you're new, that's okay. Everyone has seen new artists come through. You're not special. You're part of the system that we're all supporting in this ecosystem that we work in. So don't be shy because you're new. Everyone was new at some point, right? Give yourself a big pat on the back for just taking the leap of going to talk to someone. And again, the easiest way of doing that is going in talking to you know that head server or finding out if there's a, a bar manager that's on site, um, asking them, how, what is your booking process? Do you feature a local night or a discovery night or emerging talent night? Asking these questions indicates that you're local emerging, right? In that discover zone. So everyone's expectations are gonna be sorted out. 
You can always send an email as well. Again, if you have mobility issues and you can't get there in person, send an email. Be really upfront. I'm emerging. I'm looking to establish my home audience. I would love an opportunity. Not sure if this is your thing. Um, maybe you can ask to open for someone. Maybe you can ask if there are co-bill opportunities. Um, and then you want to entice them. You know, are, do you have really good, like, feel-good music that ranges, you know, for people to come and dance to? Or is it the type of show that would do really well at cocktail hour or, you know, after work uh, time frame? Is this the type of show that would be a great matinee edition, right? If you're someone who's been using social media and you've been posting your content and creating um, a digital audience, then I would definitely start promoting the fact that you've got a thousand monthly listeners, that you've got a really strong um, like audience or follower from your hometown, right? Share your analytics because those are marks and metrics of success. And that's something that I think we're going to be bringing into booking a lot more are, hey, this is an emerging talent, but check out these metrics. And I just want to share, like, I'm doing this for clients of mine where they've never toured in Western Canada. I'm preparing something for them for next March. Um, they're new. They've never been there. So what am I using? I'm using the data or the metrics that I have to say they have 14,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. We've got, you know, this happening on YouTube. We've got this happening. Here's what, like, I'm using what we have because I don't have tour history for Alberta, but I do have this. So again, you want to be resourceful. And I think a lot of artists get stuck because we get to a place where we don't see what we have, right? We kind of, we shut down before we begin and that's okay. But in order to do this business, in order to book yourself, you're going to have to put yourself in a business mindset, which is a really different place than uh, writing and creating, than producing, than performing. So it's almost like being ready to do a bit of a divide and getting yourself to a place where you're ready to do the business work. And then the reward is going to be the actual show. All right, that was like uh, a third of this uh, of this session. And that was question one. I promise I'm going to try to make things a lot faster. No, it's all good because you, you answered a couple others in the process. Uh, okay. And I want to share a couple stories. Um, uh, the tip about actually being part of your community and going there. I did that with an artist that moved from Saskatchewan to Toronto and knew nobody. And uh, I introduced them to uh, Daryl, the owner of the Bovine, as this is the band that's going to sell your club in October. And it was about April. And they spent two nights a week at the Bovine. They created postcards. We figured a date in like October or whatever that they're going to play. So they had long lead up time. And by hanging out, they're able to go, hey, you know the Bovine because you're in it. Well, guess what? You should be in it in October. And they would say that in April and May and June. And then they eventually were like, hey, Dave, hey, John, they're friends. And all of a sudden, they promoted it. And it, I got to say, full capacity crowd, first show in Toronto from a band that knew no one just simply by hanging out. And other bands did this. Mobile successfully did this and got signed. Uh, they just released an album. Uh, so that's story one. My other story is, and I'm going to do a plug. 
is this band called Trampa from Brazil, uh, who's playing the bovine this Sunday at uh, 10 This session is brought to you by the bovine and Red Bull. Exactly. But when we first brought them, they're, so think a band like Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, but it sounds angrier because it's all in Portuguese. No one understands what they're saying. I had them do an acoustic house show when they first got here. And they're like, but we don't do acoustic. And I'm like, you're going to. And by putting them out of their comfort zone and introducing to this whole other audience, they killed it where people are like, what is this? And they're like, well, you really got to see the full show. And then the next thing, like day after I had them do, uh, I was Sunday night open mic at supermarket where people expect, you know, quiet singer songwriter kind of stuff. And they came in, borrowed all the instruments and like sound like rage against the machine. Everyone's like, Whoa, what's this? Oh, by the way, we're playing Tuesday. So in, in like literally four or five days, two shows, they were able to pack the bovine because they built interest uh, by doing outside of the norm. Uh, and I think that that's something to always keep in mind. And there's a lot more house concerts going on, side doors, a Canadian company to look at, uh, lots of lots of great stuff happening. So that's my two cents uh, really quickly in there, um, really quickly. You, you mentioned something really important, which is like asking for support, asking for help. So, hey, you've all started, go back and ask people for help, AKA your friends, your family, you know, your aunt's second cousin twice removed. Like what you want to do is you want to get people there. And more importantly, if they can't be there, you want to ask them to share on their networks where you're going to be. So you have to, again, start thinking strategically. How do I put this out there so that people know? And um, we're familiar with word of mouth. Well, that's what the internet is when social media is used properly. It's word of mouth because we want to hear things from people we trust. And so a no-name band that you know, you've never heard of that just keeps buying sponsored ads, you're probably going to get rid of really quickly. But if your auntie or your ex-boyfriend's father or whoever is posting something and you know them and you like what they like, you are probably gonna take a step and you know be persuaded to click, right? What we wanna do is make it easy for people to say yes. That's the whole premise, right? That is literally what, what motivates me every single day. First motto is make it easy for someone to say yes. Second motto, make it easy for someone to say no, right? Because then it's like, it's move on. Okay, move on. We know where we stand, let's move on. Um, all right, speaking about <laughs> Okay. Okay. okay give me some more questions. I'm excited. I got right. my I got my book and juice here. Just coffee. Don't get excited. Okay. And I'm gonna try to combine some questions. And so let's do a real quick answer on this one. What are your thoughts on covers versus originals? Now I understand there's a covers market, but also like that was one question. Uh but I also fucking love covers. Yes. Okay. Uh, I love covers. And here's what I, here's where I'm going to go with covers. Okay. I beg my artists to do covers all the time because if nobody knows you, then why should they care? You're going to give them a reason to care. You're going to be like, boom, here's a hit. Boom. Here's a hit. I'm going to do two of my own songs. Boom. Here's a hit. It's, there's no shame in doing covers. People get to know you that way. They get to be drawn and intrigued, especially if you're just starting out. 
a lot of people quote have to do covers right maybe they get a two hour set and they're doing a bunch of covers but that's the first time someone's going to hear your voice that's the first time someone's going to see your personality on stage how you handle your professional uh like demeanor right maybe the bar is going to sell a couple more drinks and that's what they need to stay afloat so they're going to invite you back and when you go to them and say i want to do a couple of originals they're going to say sure here's a wednesday night here's a thursday night knock yourself out like put a cover song into you know into your repertoire put into people love to participate people love to sing along most importantly people love to connect right here and you're going to hit them where it counts which is their heart and hopefully that's going to be enough to keep them interested again make it easy to say yes for them to stick around for the original right so don't be afraid of covers um, they're wonderfully successful songs for a reason, you know, let them be inspiring, make them your own. Don't play them note for note. You're not classic albums live, which is a thing. Look it up, but make it your own, right? Put your spin on it. If you need to, um, all you have to do is go onto Spotify and look at how many like cover lists that there are right now. Don't fight what works right? Embrace it, make it your own and find a way to, um, to make that part of your show so that it's endearing, so that it's a leaping pad for something else better to come, which is your stuff. Ooh, I, I, I so agree. And I'm going to add to that because uh, dating myself a long time ago, I played in a band. Yes. Uh, and I, I would argue with the band because I'm like, we got to do a cover. We got to do a cover. And they would come to me with some B-side unknown something. And they're like, well, we don't want to be known for doing cover. I'm like, no, the point is you're doing something that everybody knows. You don't have to do the hard work of learn this. They know it. So therefore going to react to it. So like we did a song by the who, you know, keyboard part, but on guitar made it kind of cool. Um, and then it became a CSI kind of theme and everyone's like, oh, you're just following CSI. And that kind of was, we had to figure it different. But here's my tip. The last song of your set, if it's a cover, you will get the most applause and probably an encore. We always got encores because of that Who song. And what was the encore? Our song. So, um, so strategically placed in the set as well. Um, not too early because you don't want to do the cover too early, but strategically placed. So we, our rule was it has to be a song that everybody knows, everybody, which means everybody in the audience is going to respond. And we're going to walk off stage and we're going to be able to come back because of the reaction. So just a little tip from what worked for, for us when, uh, when I was playing back. back Good old Pappy Daryl. Pappy Daryl <laughs> story time. All right. Um, okay. So now the next thing is uh, repeat gigs. Like we're going to talk two two things here. So we talked about, okay, how do I get into the scene, get a show? But two things. One, I want a repeat gig. What's tips on that? But then two, you know, it, it, and over a time span, how do I progress to like next level size or, or like, how do we get onto the bigger shows? Uh, now that you've established locally. Okay, so uh, in terms of repeating a play or uh, uh, repeating a market, um, when you are starting out, 
you could probably do the same bar once a month at the very beginning, right? Because no one really knows you. And then you're going to get it to hopefully a place where let's say you do every Thursday night, right? Uh, Once a month, every Thursday night for like six months. Hopefully by like month number six, you actually have people who are A, packing in the place or uh, because it's free, pay what you can. They're buying booze, they're buying food, they're happy, bar owners happy, right? Or uh, B, uh, at the end of that six month run, once a month, uh, people are actually paying tickets to see you because again, word of mouth, you've done a good job. So once you get to a place where you're kind of selling it out or you're really close to like hitting the capacity of that venue, then you wanna pull back. This is just like anything else in marketing, it's all about supply and demand. So while there's a lot of supply, a lot of, let's say, singer-songwriters, you know, it's harder to kind of get known because there's so many of you. But once you start creating demand, you get to be a little more choosy as to how often you do it. So maybe instead of doing it uh, once a month, you're going to pull back to once every two months, right? And you're going to see how that works. Are people still showing up? Are you still getting the same, like, audience retention, you know, in terms of, them coming back? Has it grown? Really, at the end of the day, you want to be able to sell at a venue one or two times because that makes you look really good, right? Then you're hot shit. Everyone in town, oh, this sells out. Make sure you get your ticket early. Once you start doing that, you're making money, either hopefully for yourself, but certainly for the other people involved in the industry, like the bar or venue owner. Uh, Maybe there's a local promoter that put it on, right? Someone who's kind of throwing shows they will also help you get to the next level because guess what? If you can sell more tickets, they're going to make more money. So you have to have a little bit of a track record of success before you can just go jumping. And if you don't have the track record of success, that's okay. Maybe you haven't sold it out just yet. This is when having some money or some funding can really help because then you're going to put on your own show at a larger venue and you're going to do all your own marketing but you have to be ready to invest in that, right? We're going to do that whole classic smoke and mirrors thing where all of a sudden the artist is in a bigger room. And so everyone's like, whoa, they must be amazing. You know, what's ha- like, it's about, <laughs> it's about relationships. It's also kind of about like, if you build it, they will come. I just showed you how old I am. That's from a really old movie called Field of Dreams. Check it out. <laughs> I think that's from the 90s. <laughs> Anyways, if you build it, they will come. So. Again, like there, I, there's no one way of doing things because everything is going to be based on your business plan and your success. And your success is sometimes it's going to um, augment that business plan. So sometimes you're going to have a stinker and you're going to be one, two steps back in the plan. Other times it's going to be a home run and you can leap over like two steps in that plan and get to the next phase. But, you know, the big part there is, do you have a business plan? Do you have something kind of sorted out for yourself where you have certain goals and expectations, maybe even a timeline to work with? I think that's one of the biggest things new artists struggle with is like they're flailing all over the place. They want all these answers. Um, But really we need more discipline and more focus. So I want you to kind of think of this as like, you know, look at a six month uh, calendar or even a 12 month calendar and really start writing in some timeframes and some goals within those timeframes to achieve and then start working it, 
right? And then measure, did I hit this goal? Why did I, why didn't I? Because you're gonna need that kind of discipline and, and that business clarity to keep things moving forward um, as things start taking off. So a lot of my clients, I will tour them in a marketplace uh, once, maybe twice a year, and that's it. Um, it doesn't matter if that's a 70 seat capacity room or a 300 capacity room, we really wanna increase demand and we wanna make them coming to town an event. So, um, so that, like, that's one strategy. There's a great artist here in Toronto. Well, he's actually based in Hamilton, uh, but he plays at the Cameron House in Toronto. It's really famous, like kind of folk roots uh, at one point, like honky tonk country room. Um, and he does a Thursday night uh, series or residency there. Uh, his name is Corin Raymond, and he's been doing that residency for, I don't know, like maybe close to two decades now. And it's like every Thursday, six to eight. And uh, it's a pay what you can night. They walk out like kings and queens in case you're like, pay what you can. Uh, no, when people love your shit, they will pay for it and pay you very well. So, you know, there's an example of an artist that does a residency like weekly. It is what works for him. He connects with audience. He makes buck. And when he does want to do a larger Toronto show, he'll shut down his residency about a month or two before, let that demand percolate, right? And then ask his people, his community, to buy tickets to this bigger show. And guess what? Because he shows up for them on a continual basis, when he does a big show, they are ready to pay. They are happy to show up. They are not turning around and saying, oh, I can see him for free. No, they want to go to the next level with him. So again, this is about building community, about building fans and giving the people who you're caring about a reason to care about you. I love that. And yeah, he's been there a long time. And, and Cameron House, is, that's their, their whole premise. Like they've got a different uh, weekly series each night of the week. And uh, I remember when I moved to Toronto, this is also a long time ago, Gordy Johnson from Big Sugar did his residency there and I would see him standing on the bar playing stand-up bass every Wednesday it was awesome yeah. uh, now uh, I want to take a step back because we kind of jumped a couple things and I kind of want to let's let's talk about the economics and the business stuff that everybody hates and like the word money came in there so so we got to talk money a little bit and uh, I want to also note that there's um, a couple differences. When you're an artist starting out, you're often playing clubs that gets booked, you get part of the door, right? And you're not renting out the venue. If you are possibly the headliner and booking the show, you might be renting out the venue or paying a sound man fee or sound tech fee, paying a door person fee. Uh, there's costs involved in taking on the responsibility of hosting a show. But I also want to mention like, I, I booked a number of venues, Rivoli, one going back to the B-side 20 years ago. Uh, uh, yes, I'm old. Uh, but uh, I always considered myself, I was the booker, but not the promoter. And I think that these are roles that we should also kind of define, like booker versus promoter and booking agent. So uh, Nick, if you could maybe sort of help define those roles for everybody, because I think people are... It, it, got, it gets blurred sometimes and then expectations get all out of whack a little bit. So, so booker of a venue, promoter and booking agent. Uh, 
Okay, well, everyone's important because <laughs> that's just how things are. Um, also, Daryl, I renamed you. <laughs> so before you go blaming your staff and team members, that's actually me. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> all good, all good. <laughs> this is what Daryl might be like, wild card, Nikki Roach shirt, changing Zoom names. Okay, um, so when you were starting out and you are, uh, you're like, hey, we are nobodies and nobody knows us. Please give us a chance. Uh, you might find someone who's really nice and says, yeah, but you guys don't suck. So come on into the bar and you can put out a tip jar, uh, pay what you can and entertain the people between six and eight. Uh, I'll give you a hundred bucks for these two hours. Go, right? And you're going to say, thank you so much. Because it's a chance, it's a start, and you're building a relationship with that with the person. Um, that person is probably a bar owner, right? Because they are taking a risk on you. Um, maybe they do music like, you know, five nights out of the week, and they just kind of need to fill the gap, right? So it, they have, their business plan is to always have live entertainment, but the live entertainment uh, doesn't necessarily have to be ticketed. It just has to show up and you'll see this as you start exploring different bars, venues, uh, even breweries now, coffee shops, you kind of start seeing the same names slotted in for like every Thursday, every Friday, every Saturday, right? Because they're showing up, they have a relationship with the venue owner and they're going to play their set and get their money and they might be paid, you know, 250 for the gig or 500 for the gig. There's a financial arrangement. Um, if you aren't bringing in tickets, then that money has to be generated somehow. And if it's not through ticket sales, it might be through uh, bar sales or coffee sales or food sales, but something has to balance this out. Cause again, this is a business. So if you're not bringing in $250 of tickets, like it has to come in some other way, which is probably why they want, you know, someone to do cover songs to keep their people drinking and happy. So they keep ordering food. So you get paid. Okay, great. So that's one situation when you're starting out. That's sometimes how it works. Um, another situation is you call or you email and you say, we really want to do a night at your venue. And the bar says, great, but since COVID, we don't have the capacity to take on any financial risk. So you're welcome to come in on this Thursday and you can have the night. It runs eight to, to midnight. You are responsible for doing the entertainment, like for that portion of the night. Um, we don't do ticketing. So you'll have to do an e-platform for tickets. You can retain 100% of your ticket um, ticket sales. But to access the venue, you're going to have to pay our sound tech and our, and someone at the at the box at the door, right? And that's usually about anywhere from 200 to 300 dollars. That just becomes a show expense. That's a cost of business, and that is really really average. Um, even in the most established theaters and venues, I get expenses for what the night costs because it always costs something. So again, you got to get out of that artist. I'm going to get on stage head frame and kind of really get your business game on because now it's about numbers and it's about earnings, not just for you, but now for your business partners. And that's what you have to think about when you're going into business to do a live show no one's doing it like out of the goodness of their heart. We're all getting paid. I wish I was doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I am not. I get paid to do my job. So 
that's the other part. So you're coming in, you're saying, yes, I'm going to like rent your venue. We're going to be in partnership. Um, and I'm going to put on a show. You can probably do that once only if it's really crappy because that bar is going to have staffing costs and they're going to need to hit a bar minimum or that like theater is going to have to hit a certain number, right? So you still have to be super mindful. Even if you're paying to get in, you still have, you're going to be expected to have people in there. So even if you're like, you know, some sort of Nepo baby that has access to a trust fund, unless you're paying people to go through the door, you're going to have to get people inside. And like, no matter how much it costs without people inside, it's fail. It's a fail. So just because you have the money to throw your own show, um, that's just one part of it that you've like secured the venue. Like don't tap yourself on the back just yet. You actually have to sell the show now and get people inside. So the other part is um, maybe you've been doing a couple shows in around town and all of a sudden the booker for the room, grandpappy Daryl calls you and says, hey, we've seen you guys playing around. We think you're doing something right. And we wanna give you a chance to come into our venue. And because we believe in you, we're gonna pay you 500 bucks, right? They're now booking you, which is a beautiful, wonderful feeling. It's like someone telling you they have a crush on you, you know, like everything just lights up and you feel validated that everything you've done to this point like matters, right? It's one of the best feelings in the world for someone to tell you that they care, AKA they wanna pay you. Um, when that happens, you're gonna still ask, well, what are the terms? Tell me more about the show. Don't get, you know, all bogged down that someone's gonna pay you $500. What are they expecting for $500, right? Do you need to hit a minimum bar sales? Do you need to have a number of artists, of audience through the door at a certain ticket price? Do they expect you to play for four hours straight? Um, you know, all covers, like what does that look like? Are you bringing in the gear, <laughs> right? Like there's still questions to ask. I think a lot of artists just say yes too quickly because they're so desperate for cash and opportunity that they sometimes don't step back and say, is this the right opportunity for me? Right? So that's a big part of this. Can, can I sort of talk about that for a second? Because <laughs> um, I've worked with a number of artists as well and the approach we did is, uh, and this is a tough one because Sometimes you go against what everybody tells you to do. Everyone says, you got to do this stuff. And you're like, no, I'm going to do it this way. So I would always say um, to build momentum really quickly, you have to headline every single show. And that meant if you can't bring 100 people, don't play a venue that has 100 capacity, play 50 capacity. But if you play as the headliner, and you sell it out or capacity crowd, you take all credit. And that venue will go, when can we have you back? So booking like repeat gets easier. And I always was kind of like the rule was we don't move up to a larger venue until we do three capacity crowds in a row at the same venue. And it just sort of made it safe. Like, like it's, oh man, uh, we playing the horseshoe. I, I'm, saying the horseshoe because just so everybody knows in toronto there's this venue it's legendary it's actually called the legendary horseshoe it holds 450 people and everyone's like oh my god i gotta play the horseshoe and they bring 20 people it doesn't look good um so um 
your name at the top of the bill. It's our show. It's sold out. Even 50 is a great start. Uh, what, do, what do you think about that kind of approach to it? Heck yeah. Repeat success is never a bad thing. Like, more importantly, it's, it's also what those 50 people take away with them. This show is sold out. Everyone, like, people are going to share that news. Oh, I'm going to get my ticket early. It sold out last time, right? Hey, do you want me to buy your ticket? It sold out last time. Like, that's a really good thing to do. So if you have a show and you sell out two weeks before the show, bless, right? Ask the venue, hey, can we do another show? Or how soon can we get back? Make sure everyone knows this, this show is sold out, you know? Have people email the venue. When are you bringing them back? Like again, you're you, you're you're building community. You're building a tribe, and through that is trust first and foremost, right? And so these people, once you have people on your side, they're gonna want to support you. You know, even though this industry is kind of shit, I think by and large, uh, it's a very supportive industry when you're with your people, when you find your people, and don't underestimate you know audience. Um, you're asking them for something and there are a lot of people out there touring right now. It is a, it was already oversaturated marketplace before the pandemic, absolute cuckoo bonkers now. So if someone chooses to spend money on you, uh, through a ticket or, uh, because they sat in the bar and ordered an extra drink, that means something, right? So I think part of it is recognizing people's, uh, commitment or how they are buying in and and not taking that for granted and you know and and really asking yourself how can I do better how can I make this better for them next time you know yeah. you know? and and I I, I want to add too because um because it's tough like it's tough we know it it's like hard when you, uh, what I found just with the artists I worked with was when we played the same venue, the sound person knows us. Our sound actually gets better because they want us to be there because it's a great, like they know it's full and all that. So we get better sound. The bar staff treats you better. And uh, what worked really well, and I'm thinking of this one particular artist where uh, when it came to it, I would do one phone call, but I would map out at, 12 month calendar and book all shows of the year with one phone call, same venue spaced out. And we got exact dates that we wanted to get the best results. And uh, one thing that came around and I might be talking about the bovine again, maybe just never know. Uh, but I was like, Hey, this band should be playing uh, Canadian music week or North by or whatever. And they're like, uh, not sure. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm sure is that you like are sold out shows and bar sales. And I'm pretty sure I could take that down the street to your competitor if we're not playing at your venue for one of these events. So just so you know, sometimes there's a backdoor in to these events and it's relationships. And sure enough, they they played uh, CMW uh, for that. Uh, but that's, that's the thing is like, I think that there's sometimes this sort of like us versus them, artist versus venue kind of mentality. But it's a partnership and, and you only win if we both win and, and we we know we want to do business in the future. So let's let's play ball. Let's let's work together. And uh, I also want to comment on something that you said before. 
about it is a business and its operation. If a venue is doing seven nights a week, you know two of those nights are going to tank, right? <laughs> you know it's got, like it's going to be hard. So one thing you have to think about: their Thursday, Friday, Saturday is paying rent for those other nights, and you have to actually be thankful that there's this place supporting live music seven nights a week. So often the, I. Because I remember I was in that position as a booker of a venue. Hey, could we get bar sales? And it's like, well, that's our bread and butter for the entire week. Unfortunately, no. Like it was, it was tough. But that's where the deals keep the door. And uh, I want to talk about guarantees a little bit because so you see where I'm heading here. Uh, is that often people are like, well, guarantees. And one thing that I knew is that if we were working with an artist and we knew it was going to be full. We didn't have to worry so much about are we guaranteed this because we knew we were selling tickets or selling merch but let's talk about the guarantee game is like okay i've been playing these shows and and yes i uh, nikki loves this stuff uh all agents do all and as a booker we hate this stuff sometimes um the game of guarantees so one how do we go from artists not getting a guarantee to getting a guarantee and that's a that's if an artist is playing the agent role, which means they have to negotiate on behalf of themselves, that's really tough. An agent helps being the in-between person. Artists over there, they're the artist. Business is off the agent. So here we go, everybody. Uh, and and uh, I got one more question. So remember, be cognizant of time. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I got to work through this. No, all, all killer, no filler. Okay. Um, so here's, first of all, let's backtrack. Daryl said like the agent, the buyer, the struggle. So here's how the struggle works. I'm the agent. I'm asking for $500, right? For the show. You're the buyer. So I'm coming from a place of abundance. The buyer is coming from a place of um, uh, scarcity. Okay. They're coming from zero tickets sold. And I'm like, this is the best band ever. Give me $500. This is why there's tension because agents start here. I want a million dollars. And the buyer's like, cool. I haven't sold any tickets. I'm coming from a place of scarcity. So we're talking about risk. Okay, so now let's flip that. The buyer has all the risk. The artist who's coming in for a guarantee has very little risk, right? That's, that's kind of another way of looking at it. So how do we make these two come together and be happy, happy, joy, joy? Um, we sometimes use a facilitator, someone like myself, a booking agent. So I'm a broker. I work on behalf of the artist. I get paid a commission of their earnings. That said, I also have to have really great relationships with the buyers because I'm going to do repeat business with the buyers over and over again, right? I got like 20 plus artists on the roster. I got to keep everyone working. So I need to show up for my artists, get them some money, but I also have to be cognizant of what my buyer is going through. So they like working with me and they want to give me more money. Right. So that's basically the breakdown of how things like, you know, work on a really linear kind of scale. Okay. So uh, sometimes you can call up a place and say, Hey, we'd really like to come in. You do shows on Tuesday nights. Do you have a set fee that you provide artists rather than this is what I want? You can ask them, uh, do you provide your artists with a set fee for the six o'clock slot? Ask. There's no harm in asking. And if they say no, go F yourself. Okay, have a good day yourself too, sir. Probably a sir, let's be honest. Um, 
So simply ask them, right? Do you do a set fee? Yeah, we do 250 bucks. Oh, okay. We're used to doing that, you know, one town over and we get 300 bucks there. Any chance you could meet us at 300 bucks? No, not your first time in, you know, go up yourself if you want to date or not. Cause that's probably how it's going to go. Right. Like no one has, no one needs to be nice. Uh, they're only nice if they know what's in it for them. So the first time in, it may be one of those, like, Hey, we have to save 250 bucks. That's what they offer. The other way around happens too. Hi, we want to play your bar. Cool. How much do you want to play my bar? $500. Go F yourself. All right. Like you can put it out there. You can ask for whatever you want. Nothing's stopping you. Someone might say though, oh, can you tell me why I should pay you 500? Do you have a track record of bar sales? Do you have another like area bar that I can call to see how you've been doing? But before they ask that, you can say, oh, at our local bar, we play there once a month and we've gone to a place where we're doing, you know, $2,500 at the bar for our, our three hour set, right? Like you got to speak their language. So if it's not ticket sales, what is it? Um, Again, I don't want to make it always about selling beer, but you are going into establishments that sell beer. And so don't be worried about that. You know, if it's, we can talk tea, we can talk edibles, like whatever they're selling in addition to your music, you know, talk the language. So um, when asking for the guarantee, I have certain, I have artists that are like, they need X amount of money to do a show. And uh, it's sometimes unapologetic, like this is what it costs. Uh, for an artist starting out, I would ask, you know, what are your expenses to do this show? 50 bucks in gas, 100 bucks for a hotel, you know, uh, maybe it's going to be, you know, 25 bucks for new drumsticks because the drummer's going to forget theirs. Like, let's just be honest. So you have your expenses as a business person to do your business. That can be your starting place if you're like, I don't know my worth and value. Well, how much does it cost to do this show? Start there, right? That's a really good place to start. And then if it's too high, someone will let you know, especially if it's a bar owner, they will not hold their tongue. Don't worry about someone else's feelings, you know, and or if you're emailing, oh, we typically ask for three to 500 a show. Is that in your range? I ask that all the time. Maybe add an extra zero to those numbers, but I will just let people know this is the range that, of our expectations. Does that fit your budget? Is that in line with what you do for Wednesday nights, Friday nights, right? Um, again, like you're going to tempt them. They're, they're going to want to bring you in because your music's great. They're going to want to bring you in because they can tell you're a business person and they like the way you conduct your business. You have social media savvy. They can see the numbers. They can see your engagement. Like, if someone's going to invest in you, it's because you've given them a reason. So this is why all the background stuff has to be happening in the shadows. So that when you have that conversation, someone's like, yeah, okay, this, this is good. You're giving them a reason to say yes. Um, you can do, yeah, I'm just looking here, Andrea, you mentioned like you try to give, get them to say the number first. That's, that's a really good tactic. Um, the principle behind that tactic of getting someone else to quote the number first is so that if that they may quote a higher number than you. So someone might say, if you were to ask, how much do you charge for a Thursday? You might say $500. And they might say, oh, wow, we usually pay a thousand. So yeah, of course we can book you, right? 
But if you were to go, how much do you provide on a Thursday? And they say a thousand, you're now up 500. So it's a, you know, it's one of those tactics. Um, sometimes it works, other times it's a game and, you know, uh, but you got to kind of figure out what, what is good for you. Um, and you can always use a variety of tactics for a variety of different things. You don't just always have to like ask, uh, have them quote first because anyone who's kind of in the industry will know that. And they just, they either like don't care. So they just quote it and to get you out of the way. Um, right. Sometimes it's called like an FU quote. Um, and <laughs> Cheryl's laughing. I didn't say the actual word. I held back. Um, or like they're really keen and like they're happy to put it on the table, you know? Yeah. Oh, so many things uh, coming. Let me just, let me say one more thing. So the thing about guarantees right now, there are a lot of venues who have been incredibly uh, hard hit, obviously during COVID. Um, and they simply just don't have the slush fund uh, to just like put out there to bring in live music for the sake of it. So there are a lot of places that are now reverting to doing door deals, uh, which puts an enormous amount of pressure on the artist. It's not undue pressure. You've always had the pressure to sell tickets. You just actually have to now if you want to see uh, any cash. Um, if you're someone who has um, a really solid fan base, you know your audience, uh, subscribers are going to be there for you, doing a 90-10 deal or an 80-20 deal is not a bad thing. You can walk away with a shit ton of money, but that's only if you know your numbers and that's only if you know the business of your bookings. Ooh, so many, I was just going to say, so many memories coming back of talking to agents. Uh, <laughs> and and it, it's, it is a struggle. Like, it is a struggle, but uh, yeah. no. I have uh, artists who won't take that risk. Just so you know, like I have artists yeah. that are like, no, I'm not taking that risk. I need like X amount of dollars. Uh, and it's fine, but the venues are also in that position where they can't take the risk. Yeah. I, so I it's just about how badly do you need the gig? Yeah. Like um, for one of our last in-person indie weeks, I had an agent approach us. Hey, we have this band in town. You should have them. I'm like, well, we're kind of full right now. So that's the other thing. Sometimes with festivals, for instance, the budget's already spent. Like it's already okay. And they're like, but they're in town. It'd be easy for you. Well, cool. I can't go new bank account. I'd like... It's already planned. And, and uh, we went through an offer and costs, like we've got a whole spreadsheet. And I was like, see the red line? That means I'm losing money. I don't like losing money because they wanted this much. And I, I said, I can only give you this much. And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to have to go find another venue because I've got 24 venues booked in town and you're going to be competition to it. And uh, <clears throat> they did book. It was all good. Uh, but then they called us on Saturday saying uh, the venue canceled the show. Could they just play and they would play for free for us? So they went from an offer. I gave them an offer and th their offer back to me was I was going to lose money. And the agent was so fine with that. They're like, yeah, what's your point? So uh, negotiations can be really weird and difficult at times, but it is part of this game. Now uh, we're really short on time. Uh, but I wanted to address uh, this type of question is, all right, so we understand the process, we've done our work, we've got everything going on. How do we get an agent to be even interested in us? And got five, four minutes. <laughs> four minutes. Okay. So um, Indie Week, you know, great resource because I trust the people here 
And so if something comes across their desk and someone's left a really strong impression, I will get a phone call, right? So being part of community, being part of events, being part of conferences is really important because it's going to give you a chance to network. And when you network, you're going to meet someone who knows someone who knows someone, and it all trickles around. Uh, everyone who works in the industry is essentially a talent scout. And by mean talent scout, I mean like dancing dollar signs on the stage. Like we are always looking for that opportunity. And if we find it, we're going to share it because we're going to want to see it grow. Because when it grows, the dollar, the dollar pie grows, right? So first and foremost, connecting with community, finding um, industry events and resources is really, really important. Um, to getting, there's no harm in writing to an agent and letting them know what you're doing, right? Again, you have to share your successes. You know, we're doing this, we've got this album release, we have these nominations, we won this award. Um, my mom thinks I'm great. I have these like analytics to share with you. We just wrapped up a really successful tour. All of this stuff, you're speaking my language, right? I don't want someone to email me and saying, it's really hard to get shows. No, thanks. <laughs> my heart, my life's hard enough. I don't need it to be harder to get shows, right? So we're going to work in partnership. Um, it's a, really amazing if another artist can mention to me, like how well you did or some sort of audience response or a uh, local, your local promoter, your local bar manager, booker, uh, sends me an email and says, Hey, this band just came through. They're amazing. Right. So again, it's like, I want to hear from people who make money in the industry about something that could make more money. Like truth be told. Now, there are also times when I like find an artist, um, and that's usually through conferences, showcasing opportunities. Um, maybe they've, they've hit the, my radar somewhere else because they've been on like a playlist or something. Um, and I will approach them and reach out to them. Um, but that, those are like when the stars align. Um, and that's when I can tell that they're ready. So I typically have like a rolling list of artists that I pay attention to over a year or two years time as I see them develop. Um, I might say, uh, I might offer them like an opening opportunity or something that came across my desk that doesn't fit with my artist, um, just as like a little, like not so much teaser, but like as a taster of like, here, what's it like to do business together? Might have some conversations. Uh, but really at the end of the day, like I will approach that artist um, when I think they're ready to a place where they're, they're going to take their career to the next level. So they've already done their own booking. They've made a name for themselves locally perhaps even regionally. And now we're going to expand the market um, nationally. So that's for someone like myself, that's when I get on board, when we want to expand uh, your national scope, because you've already established yourself locally and perhaps even regionally. So that's why establishing yourself locally and regionally are so important because I can't make money for you to play the town hall once every six months, right? I need you to like, play it and then play all the other town halls and then every town hall across Canada, you know, cause that's how you make money in this country is like artists touring all the markets, uh, not just like one, unless you're in Quebec, love you Quebec, you guys have it made. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so, you know, meet agents, introduce yourself to them at conferences, go to different panels, participate like this, you know, you can write to me, that's fine. I will, I promise to write back to everybody. Uh, I probably won't take you all on because that would be cuckoo bonkers. 
Um, but maybe I'll remember you for all the right reasons. And I'll suggest you to a colleague of mine who's looking for new talent, right? Buyer or booker uh, or agent. So don't ever take for granted uh, the grain of sand that is, you know, created in these opportunities, you know, because every now and then we're going to get a pearl. Yeah. And I'll just say, if uh, you're trying to get an agent, uh, maybe it's more try about working your show so that the agent will want to come to you. Uh, I think that that's something that's so important. I think people start trying to uh, hit up agents and stuff and they're just not ready yet. Like you have to have audience, you have to have stats. Um, and uh, one thing that we did with a couple bands is we actually had a binder where we had this sort of created a template type sheet. And at every show we're like, here's how many paid, here's how many guest list. Uh, this is the merch sales. And we were able to go, hey, look, over time, we increased 25%. And, and so therefore, the projections for the next year is so-and-so, so-and-so. Uh, so keeping records and building your own data is, is yes, kind of... Yes, here's why. I got to jump in and, and interrupt. I know I have like 30 seconds left. The first thing that what I do when someone says to me, hey, will you book us? And I will say to them, can you send me your tour history? And if you don't have your tour history sorted and figured out, why? Why would I want to work with you? Like you scatter brain, get that shit down on paper, put it down on a Google sheet, notes, pages, corral draw. You're all too young to even know what that means. It's fine. But like you got <laughs> Gerald's dying. <laughs> like paint. <laughs> like just put it down somewhere because we run businesses. We need you to be in business for yourself. And because if you don't believe in your own business, how can I? Well, I think that's an ending statement right there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, so good to see you virtually. Uh, I don't know. Are you going to UCMAs? Going to UCMAs? Um, no. Like, oh, all right. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> But if anyone's in Halifax the next week, I'll be at the Intertribal Gathering with the Performing Arts Alliance. So look me up and say hello. And if not there, then maybe Canadian Music Week. Um, thanks everyone for your time and attending. You're all rock stars, superstars. Uh, and P.S. You're all business people because you're here and you care. You're the best. Awesome. Thanks everybody. We'll see you at the next session. See you soon. All right. So that does it for another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. We, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. And if you enjoyed these conversations that we share here on the podcast, then I think you would really love coming to the Indie Weekly webinars. Throughout the year, we're having them every Tuesday. They're always at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's like New York or Toronto time. And it's all about high-level conversations, bringing in experts from all facets of the music and related industries to share their experiences, best practices, tips, advice, really actionable advice with artists. It's all about helping artists boost their own careers, but it's also about community, connecting with each other, connecting with the guests, connecting with Daryl Hurds, uh, who always hosts. And best of all, it's free. So go to IndieWeek.com, hit the Indie Weekly tab at the top of the page and see what's coming up. Think you'd really enjoy it. Certainly worth your time. We'd love to see you there. And last but certainly not least, before we go, just one more shout out and thank you to our wonderful sponsors and funders. Uh, those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, 
the SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlantic Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. So without the support of all of them, us here at Indie Week, we couldn't do what we do to help out and work for the music community. So big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, that does it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good one.